<clears throat> I'm adjusting the mic to whatever is good. Mike. Mike, is the mic okay? All right. All right. Good morning, everybody. What a beautiful day God has created for us to worship, right? And uh, thankful for the opportunity. I've got to tell you, I was spoiled <clears throat> because when I pastored, I pastored near my home. So I was able to be at home every Christmas, but that's not, the, that's not the privilege of a lot of ministers. And so for years, James and Kara have been with us on Christmas, and now to have an opportunity to be with his family in Arkansas, what a blessing it is. So let's pray for them and pray that this will be a precious time for him and his family. It's good to, to be here and to be with family this morning as well. I don't know if you have been um, paying attention or if you've been doing this little devotion that's leading up to Christmas called the Christmas Code. Um, it's a da daily devotion celebrating the Advent season. This is O.S. Hawkins, Dr. O.S. Hawkins, who's been a vital part of the Southern Baptist Convention now for, for many, many years. And if you were leading up to today, there were many code words uh, this week. And I just wanted to kind of recap as we prepare for uh, the Lord's message today. Um, the first word this week was access. Access, And I don't know if you've thought about that word. Um, and I don't know if you've ever thought about being born in a manger actually made Jesus accessible to everyone. Being born in a manger. You see, it didn't matter the race or the religion or the economic status. Being born, born in a manger made him accessible. Had he been born in a, as a king in a royal fashion... He would not have been accessible. He would have only been accessible to a certain class of people, but that's not what God's intent was. He wanted Jesus to be accessible to everyone. So that first word was access. The second word was bake. Now I can relate to this one, right? Baking is a Christmas tradition. It is a, Christ, a Christmas tradition in our home. Cookies, cheese straws, sausage balls, pound cake, is Jan's specialties. And by the way, I love these baked goods not only at Christmas, I like them all year around. So I never have understood why sausage balls can only be made at Christmas, right? But Dr. Hawkins in the devotion, he's talking about Mary pondering these things in her heart, which means meditating on these things or kind of savoring these things or chewing on the thought of the wonder of Bethlehem. In other words, don't just go through the motions of Christmas, but stop and ponder and savor the wonder of it all. Bake. Third word was ordinary. To think that God would choose Joseph to be the father of the Son of God is quite perplexing. He was an ordinary man, a, a carpenter, who was simply obedient. This was what was required of Joseph. Just be obedient. This is what it's required of us, isn't it? To be obedient. Ordinary people, obedient. The fourth word was joy. When the shepherds returned home after visiting Mary and Joseph and the Messiah, they left with great joy. I think that's important for us to, to hear. This is a good code word for us this week because for some of us, we might not be happy because of our life circumstances. But I hate to burst your bubble this morning because Christmas is not about us. It's not about us. There's nothing that can steal the joy 
and change the fact that the Lord Jesus came into the world and he came with a purpose. And that purpose was you and me. And what a great time to reflect on that. And I've used this acronym many times before, joy, Jesus first, others second, and yourself third, and that gives you what? Joy, J-O-Y. Another code word this week was tell. You see, when we have this joy of the Lord, we can't keep this good news to ourselves. So the shepherds told, which means that they spoke with their mouth, this good news to everyone they encountered. And that included family and friends and other shepherds in the marketplace. So everywhere and everyone they told. So the code word was tell. Another code word this week was backstage, which I found interesting as a code word, right, at Christmas. So while we're focusing on Christmas, on what's going on in Bethlehem, Dr. Hawkins had us to think for just a minute what must have been going on in heaven as Jesus is saying goodbye to his father. And in Galatians, we read that all of heaven was watching and worshiping as this unfolded. Behind the scenes, backstage, God was working his plan from above. Another code word was body. Jesus, fully divine, took on the form of a man's body, just like you and me. And it began began in the same way. A chosen mother who would carry him for nine months, who would have contractions and deliver in the most unexpected, lowly place, a stable and in an animal trough. The Christmas code. I don't know about you, but I've enjoyed these devotions leading up to Christmas. It's caused me to ponder and to think and to contemplate on what's most important at Christmas. And I don't know about you, but these code words this week really spoke to me. And maybe there's some code words for Christmas that have spoken to you. Anybody want to just shout out a code word of Christmas? A Christmas word that has spoken to you in these devotions? Hope? Peace? Love? What else? Salvation. John, you're preluding the message today, so that's good. Somebody else? Code word. Hope. Thanks, Gene. I want to suggest to you today another code word for Christmas. And this word is purpose. Purpose, And so you see that in your bulletin. You've got a blank slate this morning because I'm going to give you some words that from this passage of Scripture, Matthew 1, verses 18 through 22, I want to give you some words concerning purpose, Jesus' purpose. And so I think we have Matthew 1, 18 through verse 22 available on the screen, right, Mike? All right, if you can see that, can you? I want us to read that together, if we can. Now, the birth of Jesus was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, 
she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. John said, salvation. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sin. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word today. And thank you that as we celebrate Christmas again this year, that we have an opportunity to be reminded of why you came in the first place. And that's for us. So today, help us to personally ponder, to think, to chew on, to savor this very thought that you would love us so much that you would send your son Jesus to give us salvation and hope. Lord, this message is personal today. Help us to hear it personally. Help us to be in agreement personally and help us to respond personally. In Jesus' name, amen. If you watch social media at all, and I do once in a while, (laughs) but there's something very popular these days for expectant couples, it's called the big gender reveal, right? the big gender reveal party. And so all of the family gathers together from the mom's side, from the dad's side. And I've seen dads who actually hit golf balls, Tommy, and they explode either blue or pink to determine, you know, what it's going to be, a boy or a girl. I've seen cakes that have been cut and the batter and the icing is one color or the other. I've seen boxes that are open with balloons that just fly out. And so then you find out if it's going to be a boy or a girl, right? Well, in this passage, we find the big reveal to Joseph. And how did it come to him? How did this big reveal come to him? By way of an angel. Can you imagine? I mean, we think we've got some very clever ways of determining, right? But if an angel said, hey, Joseph, it's a boy. And it's not just any boy. It's God's son whom I'm entrusting to you. Not only did Joseph learn of the gender, but he was also told the chosen name for his baby boy. He and Mary didn't get to select the baby's name from some top ten list. And I'm kind of glad, to be honest with you, because if he chose from like 2018 most popular boy names, they're Oliver, Harry, Jack, Jack, you're on the list, buddy, George, Noah, Charlie, Jacob, 
Alfie, Freddie, and Oscar are the most popular names. But instead, the angel said that his name was to be called Jesus. And I believe the reason it was given Jesus because Jesus had a purpose, which means God is salvation. A very special, special name. And so Joseph was not becoming a typical father of a baby boy who had a special name being passed down to him. He was becoming the father of the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. This baby, his son, came with and for a purpose. And thus, this is our Christmas code word for today. Purpose. What was Jesus' purpose? So let's look closer at a word study of verse 21. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus for... And here's where we start the study. The first word is he. So in your bulletin, if you'd write to the left, he, that's the first word, he. Who is the he? Jesus. He's Jesus. The one that the prophet Isaiah had foretold. The prediction, the prophecy was about to become reality. He was leaving the throne of heaven and leaving his father and coming to earth in the form of a baby. At the same time, fully human, just like any other baby boy, and yet fully divine, still God. And he was coming to earth for a purpose. So the first word is he, and the he is Jesus. The next word, write this down, is will. He will, meaning from this point on, he will. The angel's not talking about something in the past. He's talking about the present, and he's talking about the future. Notice the angel didn't say Jesus might, or maybe he will, or by chance he will, but he says Jesus will, you can trust me, it is assured, it is a sure thing, you can count on it. He will, Jesus will. He will do what? Third word, John's, is save. Save. Now, the definition of save is to rescue someone or something from harm or danger. So the angel is saying, Joseph, your son that God is entrusting to you, he's going to save. He's going to rescue. Now, I have in mind this image that's happened in the last couple of weeks of this West Virginia coal mine rescue where four adults go into an abandoned mine hoping to get some of the valuable copper that's been left behind. And what happens? They become trapped in this mine. Kayla Williams, 25, Erica Treadway, 31, Cody Beverly, 21, were rescued some four days later. No clean water. They're just drinking the polluted runoff water. The oxygen levels are diminishing, and so they had to pipe in oxygen to give them some relief. There's no food except maybe what they had on them. Uh, They began to eat bugs and any vegetation that they could find. And after four days, folks, it's, it's not looking good for them. I mean, it took a friend who was able to escape to point rescuers in the right direction. And then suddenly, the three appeared out of the darkness of the mine, alive and walking. And the governor, Jim Justice, 
called it a Christmas miracle. They were saved. They were rescued. But that was not the Christmas miracle. Jesus will save is the Christmas miracle. Look at the next word. Actually, let's put these two together. His people. Let's put those two together. His people. At first, Joseph might be thinking, what is meant by Jesus' people? God's chosen of Israel? Or even Jesus' family line, which was Jewish? And the answer is yes. That does describe Jesus' people. But his people would be expanded to include anyone who would put their faith and trust in him and follow him. At our son's wedding this past summer, as we were looking premarital counseling, we were looking at marriage relationships and what that means, and we were reminded of the bride's relationship to her mother-in-law. And so we looked scripturally at Ruth and Naomi, right? Your people shall be my people, your God shall be my guide. And I didn't realize the magnitude of that literally. Jan and Taylor, right? It's almost becoming a tradition for Jan and I to go to my son's wife's family for Thanksgiving. Why? Because we are now family by marriage, by choice of my son and daughter-in-law who abandoned their own selfish lives. We were united, or they were united, as one flesh. And now her family is our family. Her people are now our people, whether we like it or not, right? And the angel is simply saying that Jesus will save, he will rescue his people, the very people that God had created and chosen to be his family, and the very people who would and will choose to abandon their own lives and unite with him, who will follow after him, who will become his bride. Folks, that literally means that his people is all-inclusive for those who believe Family, Jews, Gentiles, and any other sinner who needs the Savior. And so Jesus' purpose was to save everyone. The next word is from. Save from. Jesus will save his people from something and to something. Just as it was in West Virginia... In the mine rescue, these young adults were saved from death to life, from poor health to restored health, from loneliness to restored relationships with family and friends, from darkness to light. Jesus will save his people from something to something. So what is this something? We know that it's personal because the next word is there. There, He came to rescue me and save me from something. He came to rescue and save you from something too. It is personal. You see, this rescue is not some clean sweep of people. They didn't tie a rope around these three adults in the mine and pull them all out to safety all at one time. They were saved one by one, one at a time. It's personal. Just because my daughter-in-law married into our family doesn't mean that she has been saved from anything. She can't ride the coattail of the family. She, too, must be rescued and saved. You must be saved. 
It's personal. Look to your neighbor. Say it's personal. It's personal. You must be saved. You must be saved. You must be rescued. And now we get to the last word, which is a very important word. Because we find out what we're saved from. Saved from what? And that's sin. Now some people in the day of Jesus' birth wanted to be saved from poverty. They wanted to be saved from physical ailments and pains. They wanted to be saved from death. They didn't know that being saved from sins would save them from all of these other things too. They didn't, they didn't know that at the time. He will save his people from their sins. Now, what does that entail? If he's going to save us from our sins, what does that include? Well, let me give you four things here. So if you're writing out, you've got the word sin, and now indent, and your next bullet is number one. He will save his people from the power of sin. From the power of sin. You see, sin has great power over us, over man. But sin doesn't have dominion over us. There's a difference. Sin has power, but doesn't have dominion over us. Romans 6, 14, right? This scripture reference, Paul says to the church, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but you're under what? Grace. Where does grace come from? Jesus. We're, we're not under the law, but we're under grace, right? We're under Jesus. He covers us. Romans 5, 20 through 21. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus saves his people from the power of sin. Next bullet, number two. He will save his people from the love of sin. It's hard for us to fathom as believers that we would love sin, right? Our love for sin, sin of the flesh, is overcome when we love the Savior. You see, if there is sin in your life or if there's a particular sin that has a strong hold on you and you're having trouble shaking it, you're having trouble just putting it off, putting it behind you once and for all, it is likely that we're not loving Jesus enough. I mean, that seems pretty simple, right? But the more we love the Savior, the less time we have to love our sin. Does that make sense? So we have to ask ourselves, is my sin an indication of my love for Jesus? Or is my sin an indication of my lack of love for Jesus? He will save his people from their sins, from the power of sin, from the love of sin. Here's number three, from the practice of sin. The practice of sin. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. And we know these verses because of the exhortation for us to run the race with endurance, right? 
Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and was set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus will save us, and Jesus will help us to lay aside the practice of sin. It's like, to me, a picture of layered clothing. This time of year, just, you know, a a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, we had 14 inches of snow, right? I mean, it piled up. It was a, a historical snow for our area for this time of year. And we started to layer ourselves with clothing, didn't you? I hope you did. It starts with the sin of the undergarments. And then we add another sin. Maybe it's the shirt. Maybe it's the slacks. And and then another layer of sin, which would be the sweater. And another layer of the overcoat. Not to mention the hat and the scarf and the gloves. And what does it begin to do? It begins to weigh us down. All you got to do is try to walk in 14 inches of snow. And you got all this stuff on you. And you realize, I can't walk is good. I can't walk as fast because of the weight of this clothing. And if you're like me, as soon as I get into the house, I started shedding it. You know, there comes the boots and here comes the coat and the hat. And I just fling it right by the door. Jan says, yes. And uh, then on this chair will be a sweater. And on this chair, I'm just shedding the clothing. Our sin is like that. And the writer of Hebrews says, let us lay aside every weight And the sin that so easily ensnares us. Our sin weighs us down, doesn't it? And Jesus came to save us from the way down that practicing sin causes. So he came to save us from the power of sin. From the love of sin. From the practice of sin. And then the fourth bullet. He will save his people from the penalty and the punishment of sin. Now, I've got to tell you this morning, we deserve the punishment, don't we? And yet Paul says to the church at Rome in chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is what? Death. So our punishment, what we deserve is death. But the gift, here's the Christmas miracle. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Folks, on this Christmas Sunday, is there any wonder that the gift of God is eternal life through none other than his only son, Jesus? He's the way, the truth, and the life. What was Jesus' purpose in coming to earth? And here it is in verse 21. And she will bring forth a son, and she shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. And I want to say to the governor in West Virginia, this rescue, this salvation from the power of sin, from the love of sin, from the practice of sin, from the penalty of sin. This rescue is the miracle of Christmas. 
and his name is Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father, we are so grateful this morning that the reason you came, the reason that you sent your son in the form of a baby yet fully divine was for us, that you would save us from our sins. And Lord, I'm thankful that that salvation includes not only just the forgiveness of sin, the repentance of sin, but it includes eternal life with you forever and ever and ever. And, I, and Lord, I pray that if there is someone here this morning who has not experienced the miracle of Christmas and received this precious gift, this free gift of grace through Jesus, that today would be the day of salvation. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to us for those who are believers that we would ponder, we would savor the wonder of Christmas all over again. And I pray that our lives would reflect so much to our families and those we come in contact that you would give us divine appointments to tell the good news all over again. Speak to us now, we pray. Help us to respond in obedience. A personal invitation. The message is personal. Help us to receive it personally. And help us now to respond personally. In Jesus' name, amen.